Hi, everybody. Happy Monday. It is Dr. Anissa Shomo, and this is the Health is Love podcast, and this is Motivation Monday. So I want to introduce you all to our special guest today, Shauna Jones. She is one of my dear, dear friends, was my high school bestie. Um, We've been friends for like 20 years now, (laughs) probably longer than 20 years now. So Um, I was, you know, when we were um, starting this episode, I was telling her that I remember when we were in high school that people used to confuse our names, even though they don't sound anything alike and we don't look anything alike. <laughs> people, we were always <laughs> together and people would call us each other's names. So, um, but still, still to this day, really good friends. And I love you like a sister. And thank you so much for joining me today. Yay. Thank you. I'm so glad that I could join you on your podcast. I love it. I was mentioning to you that I am a fan. I have been listening. I think I'm one episode behind. I skipped an episode so I can hear you talking to one of our other high school friends. Um, But I'm going to go back and catch that one. So I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. And I hope I can um, bring something, bring the Motivation Monday to everyone. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you will. Um, I always feel very motivated and inspired when I talk to you. So that's why I'm really happy to have you as my guest today. And I want you to go ahead and tell everybody what it is that you do. Well, I what I do for a living is I do real estate development finance. So um, nobody ever knows what that means. I do low income housing tax credits. When I try to explain it in further detail, usually people's eyes will start glazing over <laughs> and they still don't understand what I said. So I usually just leave it at that. But yeah. in short, I help find the money, apply for the money and provide the money to help um, get affordable housing built. So awesome. I just recently switched jobs and I am really enjoying it. I get to work from home, which I highly recommend. I recommend everyone get you a job where you can work from home. Um, but we built affordable housing for senior residents or, or specialized in senior care. So, okay, awesome. I love the older adults. <laughs> yes, I, I, it's, a, it's a trend here. I see like your geriatrician, I'm working building housing for um, elderly people. So, uh, we were just talking about your sister um, specializing in um, geriatrics for nursing. So, exactly. I'm like, and Anissa, she has the geriatric agenda. <laughs> She's gonna make sure. <laughs> She's gonna make sure we all take care. Yes, everybody take care folks. of the older adults. They need some help. <laughs> yes, yes. But um, but so that's what I do for a living. But um, what I do as a passion is I love food and I'm always eating and cooking. So I um, people, everyone I know is always asking me, when are you going to make more granola? When are you going to make more cookie butter? When are you going to make more whatever, insert something? So I sometimes make things and sell them. And I have recently tried to figure out how to, how do I want to direct that energy? Like that's where I feel most creative. That's where when I start talking about it, people are like, oh, I can see you're passionate about that. Right. I can tell the other thing is how you pay the bill. Right. They call, <laughs> it, the, you- they call it the nine to five and the five to nine. Exactly. So um, I have some things coming down the pipeline. I'm not 100% um, 
I mean, there's not much information to share, even if I was ready to share with the world, but I, I do have some ideas coming down the pipeline. I just um, signed up for a new, like kind of almost incubator-esque type course. Um, so I am hoping to be able to get restarted with that. I, I did culinary school for a little bit, um, decided that, so just for everyone out there, if someone else is also interested in cooking, I will let you know that you do not have to go to culinary school to get into a field that involves food. And in fact, depending on what exactly your goal is, culinary school is just not really going to be helpful other than maybe teaching you some more, you know, more cooking tips. There are things I learned that I've been able to implement, but culinary school for the most part, unless you can find a school that has like very nuanced programming um, and like different like a, modules or yeah, something. Like a certain. Uh, for the most part, it's teaching you how to be a chef in a professional kitchen. Right. So that is actually why I stopped going. I um, went for, um, I took maybe like four classes or so. And I was like, hey, you know, I don't really know that I'm getting out of this what I'm looking for. So that's why I stopped and kind of just went back into the workforce um, right so so that's it so that's a long that's a long intro but right yeah (laughs) it is but I think I think what's important about about that is that it's kind of like um one of the things that I love about just in life in general is part of part of life is just dreaming and not being afraid to pursue different things and I know that you've been a person who has had a lot of different passions and has pursued a lot of different dreams and is still working to pursue um, a lot of different dreams. So that's the, you know, the goal is for everybody is to, is to be brave because it takes a lot of bravery to, to kind of pivot and see, you know, let me try out this culinary, um, you know, school for a little bit, see how that works out. Um, and then, you know, well, that didn't work out. So let me go back to finance. So I think that for a lot of people, because a lot of people will look at me, you know, my journey as a physician where I would just went straight through um, and didn't have as much like of that winding path but I think even as a physician, like I still do a lot of, you know, experimenting and trying to do like podcasting. And for me, I really love being creative. Um, and that really comes mm-hmm. out a lot when people listen to my podcast that I really enjoy. I enjoy talking. Um, I enjoy um, writing, all that sort of thing. That creative side is what helps me doctor because sitting mm-hmm. in an office, saving people's lives every day is it's great, but it's sometimes it's repetitive and you just want, you need other outlets to just be yourself and be different, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> Not Anissa, like, eh, saved another life. Boring. <laughs> Let me go do something. <laughs> it's not even that. It's like, it's, no. it's, it's like all day you get like dumped on. You know what I mean? It's exactly. like all day mm-hmm. people are dumping on you what's going on with them. And it's fine because that's what you're there mm-hmm. for. But at some point you, you have to, as physicians, we have to have hobbies and other outlets that mm-hmm. really bring joy to us because we have to suppress a lot of who we are while we at work. Yeah, definitely. Um, in general, I think that that is something that most people should be able to relate to, or if they don't think they can relate to it, I think that if they sat and thought about it for a little bit, or maybe went to therapy and talked about it for a little bit, they would realize that hey, maybe I do need that something else. And so that kind of is what kind of keeps me going a little bit. Like I um, have to fight through a lot of things <laughs> to right. make very incremental progress at my goals. Um, 
Yeah, like in public, because it's like a lot of, because that's the thing, like I do a lot of public health and it can be frustrating at times because you're, you know, you're fighting against the system and you're trying to advocate for people and, you know, it's just a, it's just a lot of heaviness and just trying to, it shouldn't be this hard. You know what I mean? It's a lot of systems that you're battling against (laughs) and it's a lot of just, even with the patients, you're trying to break down different ideas that they have about, you know, different things. So it feels like a lot of uh, like you know, there's just so much, it's just draining. It's just draining often because yeah. it's a lot of negotiation and you feel like well, it probably shouldn't be this hard, but it is. And so you have to have outlets to, to be easier, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm all about, um, so a mantra that I've been trying to embrace, and this is actually a recent thing is, is ease, everything with ease. Um, not trying to, not to say, and I, I guess I don't want to say that there's not things that you're going to have to work for. And maybe that was hard, but um, I guess what I mean is like not trying to shoehorn things, actually taking the time to figure out what works and fits for you. Because I think that if you find that thing that you're actually really into, I think that even the hard work of it is not going to feel like it's like so, so hard. It's just, you know, there might be a lot of things, a lot of steps, a lot of things that you have to do to like implement, but you're not feeling like you're trying to force something that does not fit. So I think it still fits within the everything with ease kind right. of mantra. That's my, exactly. that's exactly. kind of where I've been trying to focus my energies. I'm always, always trying to refocus right. Right. <laughs> my exactly. chi, my energy. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and the, and the part of that too, is just like, there's a time because for me like I wanted a challenging job like I didn't want to be like you know I wanted Mm. a difficult job because I I I enjoy being challenged um so but it's still just one of those things of you have to have that time where you're doing the hard complex work where you're negotiating where you're you know doing all of that difficult work but then you do need those moments you need that balance of like of having those Mm -hmm. moments of ease um and so that is important and I hope that a lot of people have opportunities to find what it is that feels, you know, easy for them. Yes. I, um, I, I'm always telling people <laughs> like, it shouldn't be this far. Like, you need to figure out, like, if I, you know, you have a friend that's like venting about how terrible their job is or however it is, you know, you've known me through my, you know, since we were kids. In Shaw so High School been, days, since we didn't, yes. didn't say high school, we didn't say Shaw High School earlier, so we had to, I had to shout it out the name. Yeah, Shaw High, uh, but I'm saying like, so you've been with me every step of my career, yeah. so you've seen like the highs, the lows, all of those, and I thought there was a certain juncture, like what well, maybe even go to culinary school, and I guess we'll touch on that today when we get to like the the main meat of everything. Right. Um, but what made me even go to culinary school is because I honestly thought that I thought I, didn't, I hated development. I thought I didn't want to do it anymore. I thought I was burned out. I thought I hated it. And when I started, and it actually took me a while, like I in that job, I left, went to culinary school, just kind of worked, just kind of lived, <laughs> like right. just ex- maintained my sanity and my, you know, for a while to try to figure out what my next step was. And when I felt ready, I was like, oh, you know, let me go get back into the workforce. And when I decided to do that, found a job like immediately, like was just like called a person, they knew a person, found the job pretty much immediately. And then I I always tell people, they're like, oh, you're already starting a new job. And I'm like, well, there's a couple of reasons I'm always starting a new job. Like 
I was like, so first off, I haven't looked for a job in years. Like, <laughs> it's like, I haven't, the last job I looked for was like four or five jobs ago. Like right. every other job has been people approaching me in like serendipitous ways right? to be like, Hey, I think this will be a good fit for you. And sometimes they were correct. And sometimes they were not correct. Right. But I think that the key for it is I try, I will, you know, give things a shot, but I'm not going to stay someplace that is not serving me. Right. And I, um, and that's kind of really, that's my, um, my little difficult topic okay. thing, like, difficult <laughs> time. Right. Well, so I'll me, get to that, me, but I guess. Uh, you want me to ask you the question in so we can t- start talking about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get into it. I'm going to. All right. Ready. No. All right. <laughs> so Shauna Jones, tell me about a time that was difficult for you. And I want to know how you cope with it then. And then I also want to know how you would cope with it now. If you you know, looking back on it, if there was anything you would change or if you would still do everything the same? Hmm. So I guess that time and I got the prompt, I was like, okay, let me actually don't think about, I don't think of myself as someone who's gone through a bunch of strife. Like I feel like I see a lot of, I see a lot of blessings, but I I brought this up to a friend and she was like, oh yeah, you've been through a lot. And I was like, oh, Well, how like, great me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was actually kind of funny, but I, I read the topic test and I'm like, do you think this is a good topic? I don't want to sound silly, but basically um, I kind of wanted to talk about the, the things that led up to me exiting from a really great paying job that people were, you know, that, uh, my life walking was fine. away, walking away from finance for a little bit. Yes, walking away from finance for a while. So I was working at an organization, um, a huge bank. Well, no, I won't put it out there. But um, what happened is the environment had gotten very toxic for me. Like I'm, you know, I don't know if it, if if everyone else would consider it so, but for right. me. It became toxic to me and I had to figure out a way to get out of there. And so kind of what I guess the crux of everything is like what I want to touch on is learning how to recognize toxic situations. I feel like people stay places that are no longer serving them for reasons that and everything's relative. And I, you know, I don't know every, you know, obviously everyone has to weigh the difference, the different impacts that it would have on their personal life. I was actually fortunate where I was able to quit this well-paying job, um, move and like really move in with a parent. So have my life pretty much subsidized and was able to go to school and just work part-time literally at a clothing store. Like I just found a job so that I was getting some money in and allowed me the flexibility to go to culinary school as well. But um, to kind of regroup, everyone I know does not have that luxury. So I you know, would never tell someone to just up and quit their job if they have not thought out like what the plan of action is for how they will continue to, to sustain life and pay for the things that everyone needs, um, shelter, food, you know, anything like that. Right. Um, but for me, I 
ended up in a situation where I was so unhappy for a multitude of reasons. I kind of, I used the analogy of, I felt like I was kind of like screaming into an abyss. Like I just, like, I, I felt like what's going on around me here. And I ended up like literally in therapy on medication. Um, I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder that I had never had before. Maybe I did, you know, maybe I just never recognized it or maybe I was better at coping at it, um, you know, and like a mild form of dis- depression is what I was, um, like I wasn't experiencing joy in situations right. where I should. <laughs> so like I would be hanging out with friends, like everything would be fine. It should have been like, it should have been a perfect day for me. And I still was like, not happy or like not feeling the jubilation that one would normally feel when they get to decompress and not be um and you know not be bogged down by the things that are usually stressing them out so um like not like like not enjoying a day off or not enjoying yeah or even enjoying a moment you would have enjoyed before because that's the biggest thing that like things that I normally would enjoy were no longer bringing me joy right and um so basically, um, a few things happen. It, and so I guess I want to talk about like how so, so a situation can become toxic and um, how sometimes you, you know, you just have to figure out like, hey, like, what is the impact on me, on my health, on my mental health? And how, how is that impacting me? And when is it time to just walk away and to regroup and to figure out your next steps? Because regardless of how well-paying that job is or regardless of whatever else is going on, it's not worth your health and your, in your life, basically. Um, So it, it all centered, I think it started maybe in 2015, 2016. So I, I relocated in 2013 to another city. So I was moved from Cleveland to Pittsburgh, um, was g- great. Like I felt really happy. I thought it was a great move. It was a great move. Cause you, um, you, actually, but, you went to college there, you went to Pitt. So yeah, I went to college there. So I knew a couple people, however, going to college someplace and living someplace, especially living someplace seven years after you've right. been there. Um, <laughs> like, well, first off, like when you go to college someplace, especially if they have a campus, do you really know that city? Like you're on campus. It's kind right. of your own subculture or your sub environment. So like I moved there and the fact that I went to college there wasn't helpful at all. I went to the campus, maybe to the area where the campus was maybe three times the entire four years that I was living there. Yeah. <laughs> so like I never was there. So that was not helpful. I had to learn this whole new city. Um, my friends that I knew, the couple people that stayed local embraced me and everything, but their friend group wasn't necessarily similar to my friend group back home in Cleveland. So, you know, the time that I am spending outside of work, I'm typically spending it with people who perfectly nice people, but weren't necessarily people that I was forging long lasting relationships with. Right. Like it just was a different like lifestyle. More like a superficial, more like a superficial exactly. relationships. Exactly. So, um, so feeling a little, so I guess, you know, you start feeling a little cut off, like that's fine for a while and I'm very outgoing. So I'll go, I'll go do stuff by myself. So I tried everything. I was joining like meetups. I was like, I did everything and it took me forever. Like literally I was there for four years and maybe that fourth year was when I finally met 
some people that I liked and hung out with that I didn't know through these other people that I already knew um, that did the same stuff that me and my friends did back in Cleveland um, that were showing me different parts of the city like that I was interested in that my friends weren't you know showing me because like I said it's different different lifestyles like just nothing wrong it took three years to get to that so (laughs) by that third year I'm just like oh my gosh like I think I hate it here like I think I need to move so I'm already like what the hell but um then so you know we're I'm going through that like that's just my personal thing then there's the rise of Trump and all the toxicity that was put into the world with that And I recall vividly just like a moment during like the first round of Black Lives Matter protests back in 2016, having a situation where um, I think that there was a protest, a march down in like either Dallas or Houston. I can't remember where. It might have been Houston. Doesn't matter. In Texas, Black Lives Matter march. And somebody started shooting. And I knew somebody that was there at the protest. They like were texting, you know, talking about how they were running and fleeing and hiding. Oh, wow. um, someone started shooting at this march. And I, I think it was like a white guy, we thought it was at the time, that was targeting these Black Lives Matter protesters. And that was kind of the first for me where I was like, okay, so what is happening here? Like, I no longer recognize, like I knew racism was a thing. I obviously, Shahai, they taught us all types of Black consciousness, African-American history. Right. Like we were, you know, pretty woke and, and not a right. not an ironic I, way. I or... explained to people that going to Shaw High School was like going to HBCU. So it was exactly so very... I'm just like no I knew what was up. Right. So it, it's not that I was shocked by like racism. It was just that I never felt unsafe like walking around. And I remember vividly like leaving work after hearing, you know, what happened and hearing um about these um like seeing what happened and just seeing like all this racial violence unfolding and it just you know really reminding me of things that you see in the history books and things like that and I saw things escalating um I remember like leaving work one day feeling like scared like I'm like I don't know are these people like like just like are these people like what's going on here like I just like you know or, you know, it's do like I need a, to be scared? Kind of like what's going on now with like, you know, I, I can imagine like Asian people are feeling like, you know, yeah. is someone going to attack me for just existing? Like what's going on? Right. Um, so I remember that. Then we get to like Trump's election and that, like I literally, I, I caught up at work. Like I was crying. I was so upset. Like, not that I'm like surprised. It's just more... It's just traumatizing. It's traumatizing, like to to live in a country and to feel it, like feel like we've come far, especially after having like President Obama. I think that's what made it, it even worse. It's like exactly. <laughs> I I remember vividly, especially with the second election. I remember vividly, like him winning. We're like, yay, and like going out and people partying in the streets. And like I remember this, like this happened, and to see like the opposite had literally the, the exact opposite feeling happen. It's just like, and I guess what upset me the most is it's like, I, you obviously, I obviously knew that, you know, there was a lot of hateful people. I guess I just didn't realize that there were that many. That was kind of right. what was, it wasn't that I didn't realize that these people were like that. I didn't realize that there was this many right. that either actively hate me for my race or 
are so apathetic to that because they only care about themselves. Like maybe they aren't actively hating me, but they are like, well, I don't have to deal with that issue. So I would prefer lower taxes. So I'm going to vote for them anyway. Right. So both to me are equally dangerous attitudes um, because they both are going to impact me negatively. But all of those things happen. And so I think it was just like a... <laughs> Like a that all storm. happened and then I started realizing that I was the only black person at my job like I worked at this huge company this huge skyscraper and we had these what I would describe as two-story neighborhoods that's what they called it <laughs> that's what they called it like so you you know the 14th and the 15th floor and there was a living room on the 14th floor to, and the kitchenette was on the 15th floor like you is supposed to foster movement and interaction. Right. So what I'm saying is this is a lot of people, like two floors of people. And I was literally the only black person. And I am experiencing all this turmoil. And it was really bothering me that I did I'm just like, so this stuff is not affecting to y'all, like at all. Like I remember leading into the election, people were like, oh yeah, Trump's a, you know, he's an ass. Like, oh, he's silly. Um, like, oh, this is ridiculous. He's a terrible person. But then he gets elected and I'm sitting in a staff meeting and the higher up is just like, well, yeah, we've been, you know, we, we ran our financial models both ways. And if he gets elected, this is what's probably going to happen with the taxes. So now we need to start readjusting. Like, it was like, literally like business as usual. Like, let's just try to rework our financial projections to how this is going to impact us financially. Nothing about the fact that like, you guys just voted in, like you guys are vote, literally voting in the fourth right. Like, this is what y'all are trying to do. And it yeah. just was, so I just saw that and felt so like even further alone and further isolated. Right. And I just, I don't know. So I just began to just really hate it there and needed to figure out how to get out. And I, for a while, like, and this went on for a while, like I, that happened in 2016 right. <laughs> and I ended up not moving until like 2018 so it or like maybe the end of 2017 I think but it's just it was just a dark place for like a year you know like the end of 2016 to the end of 2017 just like uh and I and not I'll tell people that I've I felt that in my career I've changed jobs a lot too which I've worked for UC for six years but that's part of academia is that you can kind of change jobs without changing jobs so I've Mm -hmm. been there as far as you know just trying to figure out different spaces and that sort of thing but I will say that and because I know a lot of people probably felt like you did and I know people are always just like well how else would you feel and or how else would people be and working in a university is kind of a different um, experience because I had people who just like were apologizing to me crying crying more than I cried you know so it was like white people like crying like I can't believe this and so I had a complete I had people acknowledging that it happened and that's and that is also like that's one of the most hurtful things is when people don't even acknowledge exactly and I think that that's like what really bothered me um because so leading into my departure like one thing that happened 
is I had my first up close and personal experience with liberal, like white liberal racism. Yeah. Um, so, and then that's kind of like leading into the second part. So I, this is kind of like a twofold thing and I'm hoping that people are, I hope I'm leading people with me. So you can ask clarifying questions if you're like, I'm not following. Um, so this situation was very toxic to me um, for a multitude of reasons. Um, so how did you get through it? Like, so, well, so about going to therapy, like what made you, what was your breaking point that? So the breaking point of when I, so there was a breaking point of when I knew I had to leave. And what happened is we have, so 2016 election happens in November. And as I would assume that everyone is acutely aware of now, if they were never aware of it previously, there is a large chunk of time in between election day and inauguration. Right. <laughs> Like seemingly years, but really just <laughs> it's like really two, just months. two months. What is but yeah. it seems like a lifetime has passed between <laughs> when a decision has been made and when you can say, okay, out with the old and with the new. But on inauguration day, which I to be fair, I knew that this was gonna be a hard day for me. Um, what bothered me is and this is, I think this was kind of the start of the end where I was like, I have to get out of here. Like these people, like I'm going to lose, like I'm, I'm going to do something because this is actually the moment that made me seek therapy. So someone, there was a TV and, and I described this living room. There was a television there and the TV was always off. Literally, you know, been in this building for years <laughs> and it's never been on for any reason for anything ever. These people decide, well, we're going to watch the presidential inauguration. And I was like, I don't want to see this mess. Like, this is traumatizing to me. Like, you, right? Like, it's literally like you might as well fly like a Confederate flag in my face. Like, I don't want to see this mess. Like, I, I'm having enough trouble just getting through today. Like, I don't want to like be walking to get my cup of coffee and have to be accosted with this situation that's happening that I'm still coming to terms with, still coming to grips with, and trying to figure out, you know, how to process and still live my life and just move on and I ended up getting into like a big like a big argument with this one woman about it um and like when I told my supervisor that I did not want to you know I was just like hey I have to walk past this tv I don't want to see this mess like I find it insulting like I I, I don't want to see it the tv's never on why does it have to be on today like if people want to keep up with stuff, do what they normally do. Like it's not like we never knew what was going on in the news. We right, it you have it on your phone. We get, yeah. <laughs> so, and my supervisor tells me, "Well, there's nothing I can do. It's a historical moment. People want to see it." And so I was like, "All right. Well, I'm gonna go because I don't feel comfortable. Like you guys have made me feel uncomfortable. Like I expressed to you. So I'm just gonna go." And like that was kind of like the beginning of the end. Like I ended up. You didn't feel supported. I mean, that's. That's the whole thing about a lot of things. It's like, yes, people make mistakes. Yes, people may do things that are inappropriate at times and isolating at times. But if you if you voice like this is making me feel uncomfortable and people are just like, well, you can leave. Like, why would you stay at that job? You know, exactly. And that's what and that was literally that was my breaking point where I was just like, y'all can't turn the TV off. Like people could keep up with the historic. They've been keeping up with everything else. 
I didn't see y'all watching the Black Lives Matter marches on these TV. Like the TV has never been on for any reason. Right. <laughs> like don't act like we this is just something we've been doing. This is a part of the culture. And now there's just this one thing. It's so I, it was just so that was kind of the beginning of the end. Um and I guess my point. So like I was so upset that that was the moment that I actually went to go seek therapy about it because I don't, I was like, you know, this is my livelihood. This is my job. I don't want a situation where these people take me outside of my professional self where I'm just like flipping out, like about to like rip a TV off a wall or something, because I felt so angry. Um, I think that was really the underpinning of everything. If there was a, there was grief over like, you know, me feeling no longer I don't know, just welcome or just not feeling in my, like feeling comfortable in my own skin, in my own country. Well, like, it's more like not feeling the, safe. I think, and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about like racism and a lot of stuff is you don't feel safe. Even as a woman, we don't feel safe. So it's exactly. just, it's, it's just, people just want to live. Like you just want, I just want to be a black person who is living in this world. And I don't feel like I have to feel unsafe just for the color of my skin or because of my hair is big and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like people are just trying to live. And then for whatever exactly. reason, yeah, I threaten think your safety. Yeah, I think that people don't, um, that is something that it's like a lost point for a lot in a lot of discussions of racism where it's just like, I'm not even like, it's not even that I'm like, I'm, I just want to literally just live my life and not be accosted with like hatred and bigotry as I'm trying to do it. Right. <laughs> like I'm not, like I'm not trying to force any sort of like, wokeness or awakening on anyone I really am not like I really just want to like you know sip my mimosa and eat my french toast and be fine doing that and not have to think about like when I've had to I don't do this anymore but back in in the time frames where I used to have conversations about like racism with white people like I just not that's not my calling I don't do it anymore um If I was trying to explain an example of white privilege that they, I'm like, to me, I would say a thing of like, if you went to a restaurant and you had bad service, you can just complain about the bad service. Whereas I pause before I lodge my complaint to see how the waiter is interacting with other tables to figure out, is it like, is, is she just a bad server? So I can know specifically how to address, like, how to formulate this complaint. What exactly is happening? I'm like, it's a privilege for you to feel that someone's just being a jerk to you. Right. <laughs> and, it, and it probably has nothing to do with anything else. Whereas I'm sitting here like, well, did she, did she get that other table water? Did she do that? You know, is she, you know, I, I think I'm like, I have to, I, well, you don't have to, I get, you know, I pause to think about it. Cause I want to know what exactly is my complaint? Like what, what are what is the issue that has transpired that I'm saying, you know what, I'm aggrieved. I want to say something to the manager about this, or I want to, you know, I'm or I'm just going to get up and leave because that's happened to me actually recently where I was like, okay, yeah, I think I'm just going to go. Like, I don't feel welcome in this establishment. Right. So, um, so anyway, and I, I started to recognize that this place was detrimental to my actual health because I've now been diagnosed with a psychological issue that I've never had before. Like, right. I, you know, um, and I'm not saying it was a hundred percent them. I'm saying that there was a nexus of events that transpired all over the course of maybe a year or so. And I suddenly realized that like this place is no, it's no longer serving me is the big 
point. It's of becoming the a liability. It's becoming a exactly. liability. Exactly. Um, not only is it not serving me, it is actually hurting me. It's working to my detriment. <laughs> right. So then I have to think. I'm like, you know, you're making great money. It's a great, great organization, great benefits. I have not achieved those same level of benefits. <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> and but you had to use them more when you, you know, it's like, I'm like, but you have to use the benefits more when people are giving you diagnoses that you didn't exactly. have when you started, you know? Exactly. So how I coped with it and I, so how I coped with it then was to really just wash my hands of it to be like, okay, I'm going to go. And I kind of got out. It's not, it's almost, it's not, I'm not going to say this is good that this happened. I ended up having to come back to Cleveland for a family issue. My um, mom got sick and I needed to come back. Um, and so I applied like right around the time that I was actually trying to get out of there in the first place and was really serious. Like I need to get out of here. Any means necessary. I am getting out. I tried. I looked for other jobs. Like I didn't just up and quit. That was not my first option, but I tried to look for other jobs. I looked for other jobs within the company. Um, was, you know, asking around, networked, did everything, did everything right. Last time, this, that's the last time that I spent this much effort and time <laughs> looking for a job. Right. And it was unsuccessful. And, fi- you know, I got basically not FMLA, but like approved for a remote work plan, um, which, and this is the other obnoxious thing. So they would not let me just move back to Cleveland, even though they had offices here in Cleveland. They said that they wanted everybody in this specific position to work out of Pittsburgh and to work in the office in Pittsburgh. And I tried every, you know, asked three or four times, like wrote up how it could work, explained that I didn't mind driving in for meetings. No, 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 that doesn't, that doesn't work for us. That doesn't work for us. Um, okay. You know, all right. So then it's, it just it's ended what, up happening. It's a two-hour drive. It's like Pittsburgh is like it's a two-hour drive. Yeah, it's very close. Um, my current job is based in Columbus. I live in Cleveland, so <laughs> very right. similar. Right. Um, and I, it's not lucky that my mom got sick, but things happen for a reason. She's fine now. Things are great. Um, but. I was able to get approved for a remote working plan, but they put like an end date on it and made sure that they were clear that, oh no, you're not going to be able to stay doing this. So I left knowing that I was not going to be going back to that city. And it did not matter. Like if I job, no job, whatever is going on, my notice will be getting put in and I'm getting out of here. And so that's what ended up happening. And like I said, like I'm aware that it's hundred percent a privilege and to be able to quit and like everyone doesn't have family to fall back on. I don't have any children. There are things I just had to figure out how I was going to right. pay for. Like I basically added up what are the things that like what are the needs and how can you meet those needs while doing something different? And I thought that I no longer even wanted to do finance work anymore. Um because of how every how my mental headspace was surrounding leaving that job and so like literally my coping mechanism was to get out get away like I don't want to be I need to get away (laughs) like I I I need to that's that's, I mean and that's it's a boundary you know what I mean you people often you tolerate a lot and I've, I've been through a similar situation at work as well and for me you know 
I can work anywhere as a physician. I can get a job anywhere, anytime, any day. But that doesn't necessarily mean you have the courage to leave. So mm-hmm. it's for a lot of people, it's really having that, having the courage to say, I don't, or even just having feeling like worthy enough of saying, I don't deserve to be treated like this. Um, so it's the finances you can figure out. You can make mm-hmm. a plan. You can, you know, for some people, they may make like a one-year plan to get out of a situation or a six-month plan to get out of a situation. But for the biggest sign is just recognizing that it's not healthy and you're worth mm-hmm. more and that you don't deserve to be treated like that. Yeah. So that was, and that was really the crux of it. Like I decided I was, like, I was like, I won't be going back. <laughs> like I knew I wasn't going back. I'm like, I'm not renewing a lease. I'm not doing it. Like it just it was not going to be a thing that happened to me it just simply was not because I I I knew that this place was no longer serving me it was what good is making a great salary if you can't even enjoy like if I went on vacation with friends I'm not even 100% there because my headspace is so off that I cannot enjoy literally just being existing um so went to culinary school like just kind of took time to regroup like just literally regroup I worked at a clothing store got promoted to like an assistant manager because of all of my (laughs) business experience (laughs) like got promoted immediately like oh well, well we also need an assistant manager I'm like okay great um the went to culinary school did those things and you just really worked on finding your joy I mean you love exactly clothes, I did you love clothes you love cooking just experimenting with the things that you because that's one of the things like when you yes. lose your joy for that time you need that you need that moment to be like let me go do the things I love for a second and mm-hmm. then figure it out because you just need to be restored and that's that's what was happening um I just focused on what was in front of me, really, like focused on what was immediately in front of me and doing things that I knew I enjoyed doing. You're, I mean, you're a hundred, you nailed, hit the nail on the head, like clothing store because I love clothes, C- culinary school because I love cooking. I always thought about changing careers. Um, in fact, I thought I was going to go to grad school. For a minute, I was going to try to go to grad school at this culinary program. That's a wonderful culinary school. Um, it's not a culinary school. I'm sorry. It's a food studies program and it's actually in Pennsylvania, but uh, there was no way to do it part-time. I would have had to move out to like this farm. I did not know how possibly I would earn any sort of living to be able to like pay for it. The amount of loans that you have to take out to just go to the school. Like there was just so many. So that was something I was not going to be able to do, but that's actually what I would have done had I had the ability. If I just had unlimited resources, I would have gone and did that. So, um, (laughs) but I mean, I was just saying that it all worked out though, because you ended up mm-hmm. meeting your husband. Did you meet your husband at that time? Or you met well, him before no, that's you left Pittsburgh? My husband was with me during all of this. Like, I met my husband um, actually, I think in 2015. However it went, I think I met my husband in 2015. 
And he was in Cleveland. So y'all were doing a long distance relationship. And then I think he yeah. moved there. He had moved to, so yeah, he was actually living in Pittsburgh with me when all this happened. We weren't married yet. Okay. But he moved to Pittsburgh actually fairly quickly. So like say we met in 2015, like in um is it 2015 or 2016? I feel like it was 20. You know, it was 2015 because he came with me to my girlfriend's wedding. And I believe that was 2016. Um so he actually moved fairly quickly <laughs> into Pittsburgh. And so he kind of got thrust into things um, very fast when it came to like. But it's good that you, it's good that you have that support at home. Because I'm sure when you're going through that, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to quit and get out of the situation. But in the meantime, like trying to figure out how to deal with it in the moment. So you had the support of him just building you up. Because mm-hmm. the biggest thing about that kind of thing is you just really need people building you up at home, you know? Yes, yes. He's been um, amazing in that regard. Like, I have all types of flights to fancy, and he supports everything. Like, he, you know, he get. I mean, he'll give me his honest opinion, but the thing is, he believes in me. Right. So, if I'm like, hey, I want to go to culinary school, he's like, how do we make it work? And <laughs> so his he he's a restaurant manager, so um, he can it's easy for him to like relocate or at least it used to be uh, pre COVID. It was really easy for him to relocate. Um, People who work in a restaurant industry can quit jobs at the drop of a hat and typically get reemployed within, (laughs) within a couple of weeks, like at most Um, historically now post 2020, I don't know, but his um, he luckily was at a place during 2020 where his job wasn't, as impacted by the um, shutdowns that happened. They were able to operate lean and work through that. Um, But no, it was great having that support. I don't know if I would still be sitting here if I didn't have that support, honestly. Like I was very low. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday.